Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Yes, he did. He gives it to Quick snap. Breeze. Pass is incomplete. No flag. Fourth and goal. We're rocking and rolling on into week six and week five, man. Uh, another week of excitement, but this one was a little different. I mean, between I mean the blowouts that we saw, the really close games that we saw, the comebacks that we saw, especially on Monday Night Football. But also, I think more importantly, we had a week where uh, kickers couldn't kick for whatever reason. It just wasn't working, whether it be PATs or field goals. It was... um. It was interesting to watch, and it was almost shocking with how bad it was, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more here as we get on into our Week 5 NFL Breakdown. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, with 4th and Long, and uh, we got some stuff to talk about today, including have, if the Bills just proved their legitimacy, who's leading the MVP's, uh, MVP race right now between Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson? Should the Steelers take a look and make a trade for quarterback midseason? And, but not, last but not least, of course, we have to take a look at quite possibly one of the, the biggest flaws in any team in the league this year. And of course, can the Seahawks win with Geno Smith? Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, right before we get into things, of course, if you don't know, you can find all of our stuff over at our website, thefourthandlong.com, for all NFL-related content. That's thefourthandlong.com forward slash NFL. For all you MMA fans, we got some. We finally, finally got some MMA merch out. You know, go on over um, to thefourthandlong.com forward slash apparel. We take on over to Teespring, our our um, site there, and get started and and get initiated with the certified banger collection. Not only do we have and some actually, I'm not even trying to sell it at this point. They're, I actually wear them day to day. They're some pretty comfortable tri-blend uh, t-shirts. And we got some pretty nice hoodies there as well. So you're going to want to get this, some of those. It's finally getting cold here in the States. And uh, I mean, I have to mention the States. There's about almost half our listeners Australian. Love you guys. Um, got to mention that. Ooh, so it, it might be about that time for you Aussies up there. We still got tank tops, so go get that one as well. And we have a new interview dropping this Friday with MMA Fighter that's building a nonprofit, and it, he has just just such a cool story of why he's fighting. Now, of course, uh, I mean keep an eye on, on that merchandise store once again because uh, trucker hats. Those are coming, so stay tuned. But ladies and gentlemen, let, let's get on to things. Without further delay, let's talk winners and losers, okay? Because one of the biggest winners of Week 5 has to be the Bills, especially after their performance on Sunday Night Football in primetime. Weather delay, it don't matter. The One of the most um, lethal offenses in the league. Now they got Josh Jordan. Of course, that didn't really matter in the first place. But now it definitely don't matter when you're going against that Bills defense. And the Bills 
have proved that they are the most dangerous team in the league. Not only do they have one of the best scoring differentials in the league, I think uh, it's still the best um, as of now. Not only do they have one of the best defenses, not only do they have one of the best offenses, not only do they have arguably the best quarterback in the league, they are just cruising at this point, and they put a hurting there on the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football as well, and I mean, the, in, in my show, only a, I mean, you say only, but only an 18-point deficit, it was a way worse game than that, the Chiefs got absolutely manhandled, Patrick Mahomes, I love those screenshots of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey faces on the sideline laying that game, they looked distraught, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs look distraught, I mean, maybe besides last year's Super Bowl, but that's pretty much about it. <laughs> and, oh, I, I, I can't lie. You might see the smile on the face right now if you're watching on the video. Oh, <laughs> especially as a Broncos fan, man, it feels good to see the Chiefs like this. It feels so good to see the Chiefs like this, and it, it they're really in a bad spot right now. Uh, it, and we'll, we'll have some more words about the Chiefs once we get to our overreactions uh, segment here later on. Now, the next winner, another guy that we're going to talk about later in this show, is it, it absolutely has to be Lamar Jackson because he leads a ridiculous comeback on Monday Night Football against the Colts. At one point in the third quarter, they were down 25-3, to and they looked they looked bad. The Ravens, for, for about two and a half quarters there, looked like a legitimately bad football team. They couldn't run effectively they couldn't have passed effectively their defense was getting lit up I mean also it helped that I mean 72 yard um screen they they gave up for a touchdown on Jonathan Taylor the first drive of the game when it was a obvious screen or draw situation at third and 15 when you're with the bill or the excuse me the Colts are deep in their own territory you're not doing anything crazy you're just trying to get some yards for better field position for for punt and they go ahead and they get gash like that. I mean, Patrick Queen, uh, he looked fantastic last year. He was did not have the best of games um, on Monday night. But Lamar Jackson, who who cares about that when you have a guy that can get 504 total yards on his own, including four touchdowns, and he was clean with zero interceptions there. And he was laying body on the line. He was dropping dimes into buckets. In that fourth quarter, and it also helps me got a guy like Mark Andrews. Shout out to anyone fancy that to play against him this week because, ooh, that wasn't pretty. He put on one hell of a performance there, and Lamar Jackson, man, he. I don't know if you guys knew this, but he's really, really damn good at football. Now, my last mention for uh, the biggest winner of the league of, of the week is going to go to. I mean, maybe not a lot of people saw this coming, possibly, but it's going to go to Texans rookie quarterback Davis Mills because he has a career game against a head coach in Bill Belichick that is known as a rookie killer. Rookie quarterbacks normally do awful against Bill Belichick, but not this year, I guess, because especially this game, especially David Mills is a, is a winner because he looked he had one of the worst games you could have as a quarterback last week against the Bills. 87 passing yards. With zero touchdowns and four interceptions. A, a, a performance that could really only be taught by Nathan Peterman, quite frankly, man. I mean, you can't... <laughs> only Peterman can, can do worse than that. It was it was a game to forget. 
But last, uh, this week in week five was a game to remember. 312 yards and three touchdowns. Every time he throws a touchdown, the neck gets a little bit longer. And, um, I mean, it, it's really cool to see Pitts. Davis Mills, uh, I mean, he kind of came in. Really crap situation there with the Houston Texans. And he's making the best of it. And it was it's really promising to see. I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting a lot of at Mills. Is a quarterback, is a, a guy that can win football games, is a long-term guy for, for the future. I don't think anyone's really expecting that. He's technically, he was a third stringer. He was be, behind to Rod Taylor, who was technically behind Deshaun Watson. Who the hell even knows what they're doing um, there with Watson right now. I might have an answer later, though. But man, did that 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 one of my favorite terms: intestinal fortitude. That that and also mental fortitude of Mills as well. He's a rookie guy. He got beat up really bad last week, but he doesn't let that affect him. He goes out and has a phenomenal game. So he has to be a winner of Week Five in my book. Now let's get to the losers, and uh, I know a lot of you Lions fans, and. Uh, I have some friends that are Lions fans. I'm one of our biggest supporters, a guy that's been here for the long haul over on Twitter. Um, Andrew, um, love you, man. Lions fan. Oh, Lions fans, it's 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 a tough, tough year. Not only, I mean, week one, you almost have that huge comeback against the Niners. But now, I believe they're the first team in NFL history to lose two games in a season off of field goals of 50 yards or more as time expires. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, the first one was uh, two weeks ago, Justin Tucker nailing a ball off the crossbar for a NFL record 66-yard field goal as time expired. That, and now against the Vikings in a game that you, you really could have, arguably should have won, this happens again. Um, so they're going to be one of my biggest losers this week, but at the least... At the least, I mean, I think it's actually a really big positive, though, because I love what I'm seeing from Dan Campbell this year. I loved that hire. I loved the intensity that he's brought this year. I love the culture that he's building there in Detroit. I love how the players are responding to them, and I love what he was, how he was like in that post-game press conference. A, a man that, that shed tears talking about this and that just shows how dedicated he is how much he loves his team this organization how much he, he he kind of treasures his job and how badly he wants to win Detroit has not had a coach like this in decades I don't think they've really had a culture where yes we are going to win but right now they they might not be winners on the record book they they might not have really won that many games so far they might not have looked the best team but really they're a few plays away from having a positive record, but man, I, I just, I admire what I'm seeing from Dan Campbell this year, and, and if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you have to be really, really happy about this, man, it, it's, it's good for the future, and the Lions could be a good team, uh, uh get Rev Goff, and <laughs> make some, continue to make some improvements on that defense, and then, uh, they're getting there, they're getting there, Second loser of the week, uh, mm, I think it has to go to John Gruden because <laughs> obvious reasons, obvious reasons. And now uh, coming out on Tuesday that the Bucks are removing him from their ring of fame. Ultimately, not really huge news in my opinion because 
He never should have been up there in the first place. He took over a team that Tony Dungy handcrafted and was a Super Bowl team without a head coach. He could have won without a coaching staff. It was that damn good. And John, John Green walked into a perfect situation. That's why. That's why. I got to say, going into this whole awful contract with Oakland Raiders, 10 years, $100 million. Are you, are you crapping me, man? I knew that was awful from the get-go. And it goes to show, especially if you're watching, if you're watching on video, look at the whiteboard in the back. For those that aren't, I will let you know what it says. Of course, last week, uh, I mean, going off of what I was able to say by John Green after week one, said he's not going to win the game by the bye week. He should be fired um, before the bye week. I, my whiteboard said I was right about I was right about Meyer. I only had to change one word on the whiteboard this week, and that was... I was right about Gruden. I knew this was going to blow up. I didn't, to be fair, I did not know it was going to end this way. Did not see this coming. But I knew this was awful hire. I knew this was a mistake. And John Gruden is one of the, arguably the, the most overrated coach of all time. He won Super Bowls with the Bucks. It was hardly his team. And he's had a very lackluster time with the Raiders. Oh man, it's it's a blessing that this in disguise that this happened because the Raiders finally had good enough reason to get rid of him. Raiders fans have are now don't have to worry about him ruining your team because he's not a good head coach. It's that simple. He's not a good head coach. And with the Soul State, all, all I gotta say, I mean, my my last remarks about John Gruden is. I mean, obviously, all these emails happen when he was still, uh, or at least a lot of these emails happen when he was still with with the. Uh, I could say the word since they were still this team back then, when he was still with the Washington Redskins. Okay, I hope I hope nothing crazy happens there. Hey man, Dan Snyder said the culture was good. I thought the culture was good. Um, I guess not. I guess the culture wasn't good, but also. <laughs> It wasn't hard to tell that the culture was not good. <laughs> oh, man. It, it's a serious situation, but you can't help but joke about it just because of how ridiculous everything is. Everything is. So, that's all, that's all I'm going to say about that. And my last loser of the week, I kind of mentioned them in the intro. It has to be kickers. It has to be kickers. They missed a Super Bowl era record PATs in a single week with 13. And um, I I believe it's um, a record as well for missed field goals. I'm not 100% sure on that. I know it's definitely um, 13 missed um, PATs is a record. Um, but they also missed 25 field goals this week too. Mason Crosby was one of the biggest culprits of this one. And would you, it was, um, oh, it was, like I said earlier, it was just... A really weird week. Not a great time to be a kicker. Especially not a, big, a, a good time to be a uh, Cody Parkey. Um, it hurts seeing Hot Rod, Rodrigo, Blakenship go uh, miss a couple field goals. Uh, um, miss a couple kicks. Uh, big kicks too end up being because of his hip injury. So I'm just in all, not a good week to be a kicker. Now, the next one we're going to roll into is, uh, as you all know, I love my overreactions. I love my hot takes. A lot of the time, I get, I at least get close. I at least get close, okay? I'm not going to sound right all the time because that's wrong. But, you know, if you're with hot takes, you're batting around, you know, you know, 3 of 10, 
even four or ten, maybe even sometimes five or ten. That's not bad. I'm right around there as well. But let's talk some overreactions here. Uh, but are they actually overreactions? Let's find out. The first one we're going to talk about today is that the Seahawks will be just as good, if not better, with Geno Smith as quarterback. Uh, especially going forward here, Russell Wilson likely out around a month or so with a, a torn tendon in his uh, finger. Had a real bad sprain. Looked gnarly there on Thursday Night Football. I hope you guys all enjoy that word. Uh, let's bring back. Help me bring it back. Do me a favor. We're bringing back the word gnarly. But Geno Smith entered the game late to around the fourth quarter. And he almost led the comeback against one of the best defenses, one of the best teams in the league. He almost led a comeback there. The first drive, he gets into the game. Hey, just imagine this. You're a backup quarterback that really hasn't been that great his whole career. He's had some opportunities, but it's been whatever. He's going to give us a really stout defense. And he takes the ball over in his own two for his first time seeing NFL action, regular season action in a while. What do you think he does? Would you believe me, you know, you know, before that drive started, would you believe me if I told you that he was going to lead a 98-yard touchdown drive and cap it off with a 23-yard pass to DK Metcalf? No, you wouldn't. You call me a dirty liar, and I wouldn't blame you. But that's exactly what he does here, and he finishes this game with 130 yards, that touchdown, and the interception. Uh, of course, the interception coming on the um, technically the second-to-last drive uh, for the Seahawks came off a tip ball and wasn't necessarily Geno's fault. And that compares, and this is just about a quarter of time that he did this in, and that compares to Russell Wilson's, albeit while injured, but Russell Wilson's 150 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But, I mean, to answer the question, is, you know, are the Seahawks going to be just good if not better with Geno Smith? They're not going to be better, but they do have a chance to be just as good. Luckily, Geno Smith is a guy that, um, he's he's never necessarily been a bad quarterback. Never has been the best of positions. I'm not saying he's great. Definitely not saying he's Russell Wilson. But if the, he has some lethal wide receiver threats at DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. If he gets the ball close to them, it's it, 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 that's almost all he needs there. They have a decent running game there. One thing you do have to worry about is that their, uh, their defense sucks. <laughs> and if you're a guy trying to step into this position, you you can't... Uh, the only problem with, with the Seahawks is that they rely on their offense. They're kind of like the Chiefs, which we'll talk about here in a second. <laughs> They rely on their offense to win the games. The Seahawks are giving up the most yards a game. I think they're on pace for an NFL record of yards given up on the season. And that would even be within a 16-game season as well if you if you average it out to that. 17-game um, season, obviously, they're probably going to set the record. Um, is no one, They have no one to beat but themselves <laughs> right now. Um, but Geno Smith... I mean, a lot of times the Seahawks need Russell Wilson if they want to win football games. Geno Smith is not a guy that you can put the weight of an entire game on. He's not. Geno Smith is not going to single-handedly win you football games. Could he be a huge part in winning a football game? Yes. Could he be a huge role player and an aid in helping you win a football game? Yes. Is he going to win a football game on his own? No. So that's why the Seahawks are not going to be better with him. But if they can, it's a big if. 
Uh, it's like asking, hey, can Jamal Adams actually cover someone? It can If the Ravens could get their defense together, or sorry, excuse me, if the Seahawks could get their defense together at least in a little bit, that will go a long way. They just have to keep pounding the rock, and they could be just as good with Geno Smith as quarterback. Obviously, we'll just have to wait and see. The next statement here is that the Chiefs will not make the playoffs this season. Obviously, as of right now, especially after that blowout loss on Sunday Night Football at home, they are at the bottom of the AFC West, saying they're a 2-3. and three. Everyone else there is a 3-2 and two, um, or a 4-1, I guess, uh, if you're the uh, Chargers at this point, um, because the Chargers are a damn good football team. Wait till we get to the power rankings here. Um, but Patrick Mahomes is having his worst season. He already has six interceptions on the year, matching his previous season, his worst season total of six. And that defense is just freaking awful. Like we, I've been talking about all season, man. This defense is awful, and it's going to lose some football games because their offense, doesn't matter how high-powered you are, if you're giving up, was it, uh, 32 points per game, if you're giving up about 440 yards per game, I mean, your offense can score fast. But if you're not on the field, I mean, as the more yards the team has, likely the more playing time they're going to have, or possession time, likely the less time the Chiefs offense is going to be on the field, less time they're going to have after they have the opportunity to score. And if they're having, it, it, it's this, this two, two things that, that really take effect here, because not only or do you have less time as as offense for the Chiefs to to score? You have to score more points than you typically would. You have to score more in less time. Obviously, I'm no mathematician, but that equals disaster, and that equals losses, and that's exactly what we're getting from the Chiefs right now. Their offense is good; it can't keep up with its defense, man. It, it's on, <laughs> and that defense is going to be on the on the field for that much longer, going to get that much more tired, going to get that much more worse as the season goes on. And, and one, a crazy stat here is arguably the best offense of all time, the greatest show on turf, that 2,000 Rams team. They were averaging seven yards a play. Through five games of the 2021 season, the Chiefs defense is giving up 7.1 yards per game. So on average, the opposing offenses for the Chiefs are having a better game than the greatest show on turf. Now, if that isn't a damning stat to how bad you're playing, I don't know what is. And, man, it it's not good. So, back to the main point. Are the Chiefs going to miss the playoffs? No. They're, they're going to make the playoffs. You got to expand the playoffs now. You can get in the seventh seed. Playoff team could probably be around 10-7, maybe 11-6. And the Chiefs, it, with, especially with the remaining schedule, it isn't crazy. The remaining schedule isn't crazy. In fact, it's almost favorable. If they can't win another 8-9 games out of the last 12, they don't deserve to be, out, be in the playoffs anyway. They're still going to make the playoffs, but they're all... Let's go out on a limb. I'll go on a limb and say it. They are not hosting a playoff game this year. They are not going to win the AFC West. That AFC West belongs to the Chargers now and down the road this season. Chiefs fans, um, I'd be worried. 
I be hitting the panic button right now as hard as I can. Now, the last statement of the week is going to be that the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC. Uh, right now, they're sitting pretty um, with a record of 4-1. Uh, and one. Their offense is looking great. They've won four straight games since losing that opening um, week game uh, in Tampa Bay. In the close one that they almost won there as well. But right now, they're only... Behind the Bills, they only trail the Bills in points per game. They have 34. The Bills have 34.4. They are second in total yards a game and second in rush yards per game. And that's especially, I mean, Zeke had one good week, but I mean, a lot of Tony Pollard's been looking solid this year. Dak Prescott is having an amazing season, especially given the road to recovery that he's been on, man. He truly is having a remarkable year right now. He's 10th in passing yards, 3rd in touchdowns, only 3 interceptions on the year so far. But the problem here is, they can have this great offense. They can have one of the best offenses in the league. But the problem is, their defense is mediocre at best. Mill the pack for points per game. And, I mean, near bottom in yards per game. They're, they're at the um, low, um, I think, like, bottom 25%, maybe bottom 40, uh, 30, 40% of the league. They're, they're at the worst. They're bottom half of the league in in yards per game. That's not good. Kind of like we are talking about the Chiefs. Now, sustainable. Kind of my po- main point about the Bucs, my biggest qualm with the Bucs, and why they might be the most overrated team in the league right now, especially given that apparently they're the Super Bowl betting favorite no that's ridiculous it's easily the bills i'm picking the cardinals over the bucks right now as well um but it's it, same reason you gotta have a defense that backs it backs you up and that's why the cowboys are not the best team in the nfc that's why it's still the arizona cardinals because not only do they have a, a great offense one of the best offense in the league but they can back that up with a really quality defense they can back that up with not giving up a lot of points per game they can back that up with being able to rely on the defense to, to make some stops there so the offense doesn't have to put up, you know, 20, 30 points a game consistently. The Cardinals are the best team in the NFC, second best team in the league right now. Wait till we get to the power rankings. Now, uh, well, of course, uh, before we get into our main storylines here, there are a couple things I want to talk about this show. Um, please let me know. I mean, I want to hear your opinions. I need to hear your opinions. And some of the best ways to do that is, of course, to follow us over on our socials. You can find us on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. You can find us at 4th Long Radio. And Instagram as well. You can find us at 4th Long Radio. Of course, you can find the links to every social there at Just Air website. And you can find all the links to our YouTube, to our Spotify, our Apple Podcasts, to our everything, of course, over on theforthandlong.com. Some great stuff there and uh, some great series. And not only can you can find our old interviews, not only can you find some new up-and-coming content, especially for maybe some of you AFL, you footy fans out there. We got a brand-new series coming out here dropping next week. We have interviews dropping almost weekly. We got a lot of great stuff coming on. I mean, for we, we cover a lot of sports here. I mean, we of course, NFL. We got AFL, even though it's going to the offseason. We got MMA and uh, our socials cover um, MLB, NHL, NBA, Anything you want, we got it. So go ahead, make sure to check us out. Of course, that's once again at Fourth Long Radio for Twitter, at Fourth Long uh, on Instagram, thefourthlong.com. And also, if you want to do us a huge favor, 
you can always go to Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening to Apple Podcasts right now, because I know that's what, at least according to my analytics, that's what most of you guys listen on. So go ahead and leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts and uh, let us know how we're doing, how you like the show. But let's get into one of the main points here, and that is kind of asking the question, should the Steelers take a look at making a trade for quarterback midseason? Now, right now, look at their starter, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Of course, the stats look a little better because he had a surprising game against the Denver Broncos in Week 5. Don't overreact to that, though. I know we just got done with our overreactions segment here. But don't overreact to Big Ben's game and the Steelers' overall performance against the Denver Broncos because, no, Ben's not going to do that. Not even half the time, he's not going to do that. He... he it's not he's he can't sustain that. I guarantee that. I guarantee he can't sustain a year like that. I guarantee he can't even do that half the time. And it was it was a decent game too. It wasn't a great game either. It was a decent game, but all that game did really, if you're the Steelers, is give the see a Pittsburgh false hope and gave not only about the the Steelers his team, but just Ben Roethlisberger as well. So it's time to. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger shouldn't been playing this year anyway. He arguably shouldn't have been playing last year. Ben Roethlisberger should have been retired for a little bit now. He should have been retired. He should be away from football. He should maybe maybe get into coaching at most, you know, get into coaching there. But right now he's at 60, uh, he, he's best for a 63% completion uh, percentage. He has about 1,200 yards on the season, six touchdowns and four interceptions. And problem is, I mean, if you want to bench him, uh, you can do that, but, uh, Who's his backup? Mason Rudolph? Dwayne Haskins? Are they really that much of a better option? Not really. So there's some names. I mean, obviously, I I do think the Steelers should make a trade um, for a quarterback right now. They have some talent. I mean, obviously, their defense is solid. Um, They're going to be hurting offense a little bit because... uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the season with a shoulder injury that he sustained in week five. So that's going to miss him. Chase Claypool is still good. Najee Harris, still good. Um, and if you're the Sears, obviously, you're still going to be looking. Like You could draft a quarterback, or you can trade for a quarterback and still look for one in the draft this year. That That's not out of the picture. That's not out of the question. But uh, I think... You can only, I mean, trading, there's, it's safe to say, it's safe to say that the quarterback class of 2022, the 2022 draft, is not as talented or deep or as loaded as the 2021 class was. Now, I'm not saying that these 22 quarterbacks are bad. Obviously, we just had a really solid draft pool um, this year and also the year before that as well. So, here's some possible replacements. One of the ones you can take a look at, and, and maybe um, the first couple ones here are definitely going to be on the cheaper side of things. Jimmy Garoppolo. It's evident in San, Fr- in San Francisco that it is Trey Lance's team now. It's his team. All he might um, they're going to the bye week. He might be missing a game against the Colts here in a couple weeks in Week Seven because that's uh, sprained knee. So Jimmy Garoppolo might have to play there, and the Niners still might want to keep him as a backup for at least the foreseeable future. But a guy that can play well, and really, it, 
Jimmy G is not a bad starting quarterback. 49ers fans would love him, and his whole every, his the the entire perception of him would be totally different if you completed that pass to Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl, and they won that game. The entire perception of Jimmy G would be different. He would easily be a, a, he would be a certified starting quarterback in this league, but since he missed that, he lost the Super Bowl. They blew it there. Now you get Trey Lance in. Now that that whole thing kind of spirals here. But Jimmy G, a guy that. Uh, might you know again for a second rounder, maybe a first. I I really don't think he's worth that much. Maybe a second, uh, maybe a second and a third. Um, that's nothing too crazy. That's something that he could be a really solid quarterback for the future. He's not an old guy. He's he's not young, but he's he's kind of like that that solid age where he still definitely has some years ahead of him. And then if you want to go younger and probably even cheaper as well, take a look at. Gardner Minshew, let's bring Minshew Minia into Pittsburgh because he, Gardner Minshew is a solid quarterback. I was honestly, I wouldn't be mad if the Broncos traded for Gardner Minshew um, this offseason. He wouldn't be starting over Teddy now, looking back at it. Um, I was really hoping that the Patriots would trade for Gardner Minshew. No, Gardner Minshew is, is a solid quarterback. I almost thought that he should have gone to the Colts when, uh, I mean, before the season when we didn't even know if uh, uh, Carson Wentz was going to be starting uh, week one. Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. He's just been in a god-awful situation there in Jacksonville. And you could take one of the greatest quarterback prospects of all time, Trevor Lawrence, and they're going to struggle in Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew did better. So go ahead, take a look at that. He could be a good trade as well. you probably get him for a third-rounder or a fourth-rounder as well. Now, the two ones that might be a little more ideal, but definitely a little bit more expensive, starting off first is, kind of touched on this at the very uh, near the beginning, is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, guy, he's been in talks with the Dolphins, been in talks with the Eagles. Earlier on, he was talks with the Broncos. He's talks with the Niners for a little bit, too. I mean, the offseason was, was crazy, but... Apparently, the Texans are still open to trading him. I have no idea what's going on with that situation. I have no idea what's going on with this off-the-field stuff. All I know is on the field, he's very well could be a top-five quarterback in the NFL. So, if you want to drop the draft capital, and if you want to um, just avoid it, I mean, if, if it's between drafting a quarterback... Or trade for Deshaun Watson. You trade for Deshaun Watson 11 times out of 10. That's not even the question. You always make that move. But obviously, it's it's going to be a bit more expensive there. It's what I think they want three firsts, a couple seconds, and some players. I mean, that that's an insane haul. But uh, at this point, you might not be asking for that much. You might be able to get a little cheaper there. And so it, it's at the very least worth a phone call. And the other one here is... I'd be a little bit more of a surprise, but uh, what about Derek Carr? Derek Carr, a guy that through the first three weeks of the season when the Raiders were still undefeated, was looking like a he was a MVP candidate. He's a good quarterback in a decent position there in Las Vegas. And if you put some talent around him, he could be a franchise quarterback. Derek Carr could be a franchise quarterback. He was an MVP caliber quarterback. I think it was in like 2016, 2017. Um... He could be a guy for the future, and he's going to be cheaper than Deshaun Watson. Might take a first or a second, and maybe some players. He's going to be a little bit more expensive than the guys like Jimmy G or Gardner Minshew, but per value, he might be worth it. 
I, I really do think the Steelers should take a look at this, especially with what's going on there in Las Vegas. There's probably some changes that are going to be made. And if the price is right, if the price is right, Vegas might take a look at dealing away Derek Carr. And sticking on the uh, topic of quarterbacks, of course, I mean, we'll love to hear what you guys think. Should the Steelers trade for a quarterback here? And if they should, who do you think they should trade for? And who do you think is the most realistic option there at quarterback for, for a trade partner there as well? But the next thing we want to talk about is, who is the MVP at, at this point in the season? Which quarterback is the MVP or should be the MVP right now. Is that Kyler Murray or is that Lamar Jackson? Kyler Murray, of course, I'm mean, both quarterbacks having fantastic seasons so far. Kyler Murray got off to the uh, maybe a little more of a hotter start and has kind of kept it going a little bit more. Lamar Jackson propelled by a fantastic game on Monday Night Football and has been good most of the season there as well. Good to great. Um, hasn't really... Neither quarterbacks look bad. But right now, Kyler Murray has about a 75% completion percentage, which I think is amazing, is is especially as a really young guy. To have a completion percentage like that, that means you're seeing the field better uh, than a lot of people. That means you're making the correct reads better than a lot of players there as well. Obviously, it helps that he has a fantastic receiving core. But that's a good stat to look at. He has about 1,500 yards passing on the year. He also has 10 touchdowns to four interceptions. And on the ground, 110 yards and three touchdowns to boot there as well. Take a look over Lamar Jackson just stat-wise. About 67 completion percentage. Another, another guy about 1,500 yards on the year. Eight touchdowns and three interceptions through the air. But where his ability really comes in a little more, more so than Kyler Murray is his near 350 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the season. Of course, it brought the set earlier, but Lamar Jackson is out. He has more total yards than half the league right now. He's about 1,800. That's He has over 1,800, excuse me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you have a, a single player out yarding half of the league. That's, that's a ridiculously crazy stat, man. I guess what really comes down to, at least in my opinion, who the MVP is, it depends on depends on what your qualifications are. It depends on what you look for most. It depends on what you admire most and, and kind of how you base this off uh, of kind of what you're going for, like what are your requirements. And to me, the definition of the most valuable player, the way I like to look at it the most, and I, I, I mean, obviously it might be biased because it's my way of looking at it, but I think it's the right way. And so my thing is... If and so, like I, I take whoever we're talking about, and so in this m moment, I take Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. You take that player, you take them away from the team. How good is that team without that player? At this point, you take away Kyler Murray, they still have a defense. They still have a talented offense. They still have a they have a way better chance to win without them than the Ravens would without Lamar Jackson. The Ravens, you saw on Monday Night Football, you've seen it this season. I mean, I guess besides that Broncos game, their defense is not good. Or it, 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 it it's average at best. Their run game is good. But a lot of that comes from Lamar Jackson. Their pass game is only through Lamar Jackson. The Ravens can are not going to win football games nearly as much as the Cardinals would without Lamar Jackson. That team is so much more reliant 
on their quarterback than the Cardinals are. Not saying that the Cardinals aren't reliant on Kyler Murray. Not saying that Kyler Murray isn't a key part of that team. But Lamar Jackson is more, at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson is more important to the success of the, of the Ravens than Kyler Murray is to the success of the Arizona Cardinals. But, if you want to flip the other coin, uh, if you want to take a look at it the other way too, is a lot of the times the MVP goes to the better team. Right now, the better team is definitely the Cardinals. Not only are they still the last team undefeated, not only are they leading their division, they're just a better team there as well. They have a comparable, if not better, offense, and they definitely have the better defense. So that's what's going to go against Mark Jackson. Who I think should be MVP right now, if it, if it wasn't made clear by my comparison there, the MVP right now is Lamar Jackson. Is he going to be there by the end of the season? I'm not sure. Are most people probably going to vote for Kyler Murray to be the leading MVP candidate at this point? Probably. I would assume so. I would guess so. But like I said, right now, it's Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson right now. Very close. Very, very close. But Lamar Jackson is the leading MVP candidate at this point in the season. Now we're winding down here. Just a few segments left. Of course, uh, that is our week six predictions, power rankings. And then, I mean, how else are we going to end things then without the uh, nay-nay of the week? And let's go through the predictions here. It wasn't way better in weeks three and four than I was and then maybe weeks like one and five you know it wasn't great but let's go ahead take a look at some predictions here um, we're going to start to have a little bit less of games at, at this point because um, we're going to be running into some bye weeks it's about that time of the year but the first game is going to be the Thursday night one that's Bucks and Eagles and not nah, I'm taking Bucks I'm taking the Bucks um, then we got another game here it's I mean, mountain time, at least the best time in the States, is uh, taking place at 7.30 in the morning. We got the Dolphins and the Jags there in London, and I really think that the Jags actually get their first one of the season here. I really do. But Miami's a better team. Um, I don't trust Urban Meyer. I already said I wouldn't trust uh, Urban Meyer with, with a 100-yard stick, so I'm going with the Dolphins in this one. Vikings and Panthers next is a really curious game to me because either team is around the same position. Either team is is, is a good team. They're a solid team. Um, obviously, I mean, the Vikings came through last year. Panthers can, or last week. Panthers kind of choked away last week. I'll take the Vikings in this one. I, um, I'll take the Vikings, but it's going to be a very close game. I'll probably, I mean, I'll probably bet the under on this one. I don't even know what it is. I don't really bet, but I'd probably do that. Next game is going to be the Chargers and the Ravens in Baltimore. And I don't think uh, this Ravens offense can't contend with the Chargers, especially against a way better defense that LA has and then maybe what the Colts have, at least at least what we've seen this season. So I'll take the Chargers. Rams and Giants next, and I'm taking the Rams. Not, I'm not, not taking the Giants in this one. Next one. Uh, then we got the Texans and Colts, and... Mm, I actually kind of want to take the Texans in this one. Ultimately, I will go to, with the home team and go with the Colts. Next one is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington football team. The Washington football team can doesn't know how to play defense. They totally forgot how to over the span of the offseason. The Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points on this one, and they're going to try to get themselves back on track. 
The Packers and Bears, I mean, one of the I mean, one of the longest lasting might be the longest rivalry in all of professional football. Um, this is going to be a curious one, especially after how the Bears played against the Raiders and how the Packers played against the Bengals. I'll take the Packers in this one just because, I mean, same thing kind of with my Jags. I don't trust Urban Meyer. I'm not trusting Matt Nagy. And then Justin Fields is dealing with a little bit of injury there, so we'll see how that goes at the quarterback position. But I'm taking Green Bay in this one. Bengals, Lions, and I'm sorry, Lions fans, uh, but I guess the positive here is that it won't end with heartbreak with a last-second field goal. You'll just be beat in this game. So you got that going for you. Next one is the Cardinals and Browns, and this is uh, going to be my pick for game of the week. It's definitely one of the most curious ones, and oh, man, I'm saying curious a lot. Whoops. Uh, but the Cardinals and Browns, the Cardinals have a potent offense. That Browns defense didn't look great against the Chargers, but the Chargers also have a fantastic offense. Baker Mayfield is worrying me a little bit, but he did him and that run game did look real solid there against the Chargers. This is a really tough one for me to call. I'm just going to go with the Cardinals because they're the best, one of the best teams in the league at this point, best team in the NFC. And I'll stay with them to go undefeated, but I would not be surprised if the Browns are able to pull this one off. Next up, we got the Cowboys and the Patriots. I'm taking the Cowboys in this one. The Patriots don't have the offense to keep up with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys defense might be able to do just enough here. We got another rivalry game. This one in Denver. We got the Raiders and the Broncos, two teams that started off looking great, and now the last two weeks they have looked horrible. Uh, home team. The Broncos are really good at home. Take the Broncos in that one. Not sure if I'm saying this pick with a whole lot of confidence. And hopefully the coaching turmoil with Vegas will uh, will aid them a little bit more too. Next one is the Seahawks and Steelers. And I'll take Geno. <laughs> kind of what I talked about earlier in the show. Let's roll with Geno and let's roll with the Seahawks to get the win here here in the Pittsburgh on Sunday night football. Then the Monday night game won a... Uh, at least before the season would have looked a little more exciting, is the Bills and Titans. I don't like that Titans defense. I think the Bills could put up another 35 spot here in this game. It just depends on how many points the Titans can score and probably won't be enough. So I'll go with the Bills on this one. All right, week six power rankings here, and we didn't have anyone drop off. It's the same five teams, but the... Uh, it's a new order, and kind of what I've talked about, um, little maybe hinted at the power rankings this year, be, or this show, between the Cardinals, between the Chargers, uh, possibly between the Bucks here as well. Got some stuff here, but number five is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I still think they're the most overrated team in the league. Are they a bad team? No. They're still top five, obviously, like I saw here. They moved down the spot from number four to five this week, and it's not necessarily because of what they did, but it's because of what one of the teams ahead of them has done. Kind of seeing the same thing for the Rams there, too. They didn't have the best of games there against the Seahawks, um, and they kind of looked diminished ever since they lost to the Cardinals. They've kind of lost their flair a little bit, but Matt Stafford still looks great. Um, Robert Wood still looks great. Cooper Cup still looks great. That run game is better than you thought. It's almost the defense you have to be worried about at this point, but I think they'll be they have enough talent there to be able to get things together. And so I have the Rams there at number four. Number three, moving up two spots from five to three last week is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. After their amazing performance against the Browns, I guess maybe not defensively, but offensively, 
for sure. The Chargers look like they might actually be able to live up to the hype this season, which is something you haven't really been able to say was the last two, maybe three seasons. Who knows? Maybe things are actually different for the Chargers, and it's exciting. Even though they're a divisional rival of, of my Denver Broncos there, they're still a really fun team to watch, and Austin Eckler is getting me a lot of points in fantasy this year, so <laughs> can't complain too much there. And the two in one spots are actually going to stay the same from last week. It two, it's the Buffalo Bills, and one, it's the Arizona Cardinals. And I will admit, I was really close to putting the Bills over the Cardinals. I still do think the Bills are a better team than the Arizona Cardinals right now. But uh, given the power rankings, given what they're on, Cardinals are undefeated. The Bills still had that steer of a game against the Steelers in Week One. The Cardinals beat a better. Um, arguably a better team this week in the Niners than who the Bills were able to beat in Kansas City. The Bills probably had the better game of the week, but ultimately I didn't feel like the Cardinals deserved to get bumped down, even though they're still undefeated, even though they still had to sell the win. Very, very close there. I could, you could easily put the Bills in, in number one right now. But of course, 5-1, to one, that is the Bucks, Rams, Chargers, Bills, and Cardinals. No one drops off this week. A lot of things can change next week, though. That's for sure. And we're going to cap things off here, ladies and gentlemen, with none other than the Nene of the week. And this week's Nene has to go out to a kicker. And it's not just because they missed. It's because they missed a game-winning, potentially game-winning field goal. And celebrated. Oh, no. Evan McPherson for the Bengals. It looks like it's going, but then it skims off the flag of the left upright. And it barely misses. The game goes on. They go eventually go on to, to lose that one to the Packers. And this was just was a tough one, man. And you could see it was going to go through. It was going to be a good field goal. But then you see this gust of wind come across. And you see that ball move. You see, you see it get pushed by the wind. It was, oh, it was heartbreaking. I don't blame him for celebrating. Maybe just wait a little bit longer. But he's definitely going to be taking home this week's Nene of the Week. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do us uh, do it here for us for week five of the NFL season. This has been our week five breakdown. And it's been truly been a pleasure to join you in your, whether it be your living rooms, your bedrooms, uh, your maybe your your drives, uh, your commutes, your walks. I know um, a lot of fans like, listen to us everywhere, and it truly does mean the world to me. I really do appreciate not only those that listen, whether it be for five seconds, for ten seconds, or for the whole show. All of you are amazing. Honestly, I guess I'm the ones stick to that and they're a little better there. But uh, hey, no one else is going to hear that since uh, you guys are the only ones that stick here. But thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. It's always a blast to do this. And of course, you got to give a huge shout out to all of our patrons. You can, of course, become a supporter of this page over on patreon.com forward slash fourth and long. And it just starts a dollar a month. Just a dollar a month can get you bonus content, discounts, and a lot of goodies and continue to help this small show grow. And one of the best ways to do that, of course, hitting that subscribe button over on YouTube, following us over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast from. But our huge shout out to our patrons, Ray Rodriguez, for all your car collecting needs. Go ahead on and head on over to Instagram and follow at the Big Bat Box. Shout out to Ryan Watson and Neil Wiley. And ladies and gentlemen, this is, it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy season so far. And uh, 
I'm sure week six is going to be just something, something else. So, uh, go out. Have a great rest of your week. We will see you next Wednesday in a word of advice. Learn from John Gruden. Don't press send.